You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Conference from Alabama Governor Kay Ivey joined by Dr. Scott Harris with an update on the state's response to the coronavirus. For going forward, but first, I want to be sure everybody has seen the feature about my colleague Dr. Harris. He was named a community hero by the Montgomery Advertiser, etc., and that's just a nice award. Let's give him a round of applause for this nice recognition. Our current health order expires Friday, December the 11th. This order was issued in early November and was designed to keep people safe while still at the same time ensure we could celebrate Thanksgiving as well as keep our businesses and uh, retailers safely open during the holiday rush. By now, it's obvious that most Alabamians gathered together in new and creative ways to keep their vulnerable families safe while giving thanks in the midst of a very hard year. Whether it was eating outdoors as our forefathers did on the first Thanksgiving or limiting the number of family and friends we were with, Alabamians have been showing incredible resiliency in doing their part. Some even chose to forego the traditional Thanksgiving celebration in order to be safer rather than sorry. And while that may have been a very wise decision, it was still a hard decision. And y'all, this none of this is easy. None of it is. As I've previously done previously, I cannot thank the people of Alabama enough for the sacrifices you are making, sacrifices for yourselves and for others. Because of the pandemic has stretched much longer than we ever imagined. We all just darn right down, right, exhausted by the disruptions to our daily lives. <clears throat> and even though the vaccine's delivery is right around the corner, we shouldn't lull ourselves into complacency by thinking we're out of the woods yet. To the contrary, as Dr. Harris will elaborate, these are some of our darkest days since COVID-19 became a part of our daily conversations and the rising number of new cases has put a strain on our health care system, unlike any time in recent memory. We look forward to the days where we can greet one another again and interact in public while easily seeing each other's faces and smiles that aren't hidden behind these blooming masks. However, this is one sacrifice that we all can make in order to keep our friends and loved ones safe and keep the rest of the disruptions to our personal lives at a minimum. Let me remind the people of Alabama as clearly as I can 
Wear your masks, wash your hands, and sanitize your personal spaces as much as possible. Y'all, I'm not trying to be Governor Meemaw, as some on social media have called me. I'm simply trying to urge you to use the common sense the good Lord gave each of us to be smart and considerate of others. For goodness sake, if you're experiencing symptoms, please go get tested and wait until you receive your results before interacting with others. Unless you test negative, please refrain from being around others. If Coach Saban can do this, then so can you. The facts are indisputable. Our cases continue to rise, and we have more Alabamians diagnosed with COVID-19 than ever before. Because of this, we will be extending the current order with no changes for another six weeks until January 22nd, 2021. In the last press conference, Dr. Harris and I discussed and acknowledged that you can't have a life without a livelihood. So let me be clear. Since May, my team and I have never seriously discussed another lockdown on our businesses and retailers. Because we've learned to live with the virus and incorporate precautions into our daily lives, and we've been able to loosen, loosen the restrictions on gathering sizes and reduce occupancy rate, even, even as many other states around the country are reversing course. This is largely due to the personal responsibility of the people of Alabama wearing a mask to keep themselves and others safe. In fact, the mask mandate remains the one stopgap in order to keep the balance of our daily lives and maintaining health and safety. We've returned to school, to church, and to work under the conditions of simply wearing a mask. And in many ways, the only limitation on us that is left is the mask. So I ask everyone as we strive to get back to normal, as the vaccine begins to be rolled out to the most vulnerable populations, that we don't just flip the switch and mentally move on from taking precautions. Like many things in life, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. So please continue to be considerate of the vulnerable members of your family and those you work with. Please, please continue wearing the mask, even if you're the only one in the, your surrounding to do so. You may just be the reminder someone needs to pull that mask out of their po pocket or person, put it on. So as we transfer transition from Thanksgiving into the season of Advent and the celebration of Hanukkah, which begins tomorrow, or other reasons which brings families and friends together. Please be mindful of others in your activities. As Dr. Harris makes his way to the microphone, I'd like to once again thank the people of Alabama. Thank you for hanging in there and doing the right thing, even when we're all ready to say goodbye and good riddance to COVID-19. Dr. Harris. Those comments from Alabama Governor Kay Ivey. You heard Ivey announce that she is continuing the state's safer-at-home order for an additional six weeks, including the mask mandate. The now updated order will expire January 22nd. For the rest of this story and the latest local news delivered without a paywall, log on 
to the new TuscaloosaThread.com. Over the Vols in which I think Alabama ran the toss sweep every offensive snap. Just tossed it to, to Bobby Humphrey. And he ran and ran and ran. Put 56 on the Vols in a 28-point win up there in Knoxville. Came home and ran into a buzzsaw in the Penn State Nittany Lions, who I believe went on to win the national championship in 1986. 23-3, the Nittany Lions came into Tuscaloosa and took out an undefeated Alabama team. And then it was really up and down for the remainder of that 86 season, which proved to be Ray's last at the helm uh, before he moved on. Hugh Culverhouse, owner, you know the Culverhouse School of Business at the University of Alabama, right? Hugh Culverhouse, then the owner of the Tampa Bay Bucks, lured Ray down to uh, Tampa Bay or returned to the National Football League for Ray Perkins. But that 86 team, so much potential. That was a Nick Saban-type team, I would go as far as to say, in terms of talent. They had some players, man. They uh, absolutely did. Dropped a tough one to LSU. That was the thing about that team, too. Went 10-3, and and all three of its losses came at home. Two of them at Legion Field, back when that was a thing. LSU and Auburn. That was the Lawyer-Tillman reverse game. You remember that? Lawyer-Tillman on the reverse one year after. Van Tiffen hit the 52-yarder to beat the Tigers. Uh, but three losses to top 20 teams over the back half of that season. And so in some ways, it was a bit of a letdown. But Ray had certainly rebuilt the roster to the point where even when you think about the 89 team under Bill Curry, uh, he had it trending that way. Uh, the 89 team that was the try SEC champions. What was it? Auburn, Alabama, maybe LSU that year too. In 89, Alabama went to the Sugar Bowl to take on the Miami Hurricanes. Lost that one by eight. The Hurricanes won the national championship. Three years later, though, Alabama would exact revenge over Miami there in New Orleans, as we all know, the 1992 national champion. Alabama Crimson Tide. But a sad day, sad news. Ray Perkins at the age of 79. I know Ray's son, Mike. That's sort of our tie between myself and Ray Perkins. Mike is in the front office with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's actually my younger brother's boss with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I had run into Mike about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. I was back down in Northeast Florida. We were at a high school football game. Mike was there. Always enjoy catching up with Mike. And he let me know then that Ray wasn't doing particularly well. So he had been dealing with some health issues. And unfortunately, they culminate today with his passing. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line if you'd like to check in with us. Memories of Ray Perkins or anything else you would like to get into, we are here for you. Again, Cecil Hurt coming up in just a few moments. Man, we'll go deep on Ray Perkins with Cecil. Cecil's time in this business really goes back hand-in-hand, hand, I would think, to the arrival of Ray Perkins as the head football coach, as the successor to Paul Bryant. So a wealth, a wealth of insight, as always, with Cecil, but certainly on this particular day, with the passing of Ray Perkins, that will certainly be the case 
once again. We do have a slate of college football games to look forward to this weekend. The Alabama Crimson Tide, of course, traveling to Arkansas on Saturday to take on the three and six Razorbacks, a team that has been very competitive throughout the season. I mean, when you look at the losses for this Arkansas team, this is an Arkansas team that could easily be no worse than five and four. You know, the Auburn game, there's one right there. They should be four and five at worst. Now that that should be a win for Arkansas. Uh, but at three and six, trying to put a wrap on a regular season, still some uncertainty from the Arkansas camp as to who will start at quarterback for the Razorbacks this weekend. I was looking forward, as I talked with Brent Beard yesterday, about that UF 1-2 punch of Felipe Franks into Kyle Trask in the SEC championship game. But Sam Pittman yesterday, during his weekly press conference, said he wasn't sure exactly which direction they would go would Felipe Franks with that rib issue be able to go uh if he isn't KJ Jefferson the redshirt freshman who was certainly impressive in Arkansas's 50 to 48 loss out at Missouri over the weekend looks like a more than capable stand-in and we're back to that same thing regardless of who plays quarterback for Arkansas this week we're back to sort of that question with this Alabama defense for all of its statistical prominence and defensive reigning, ranking prominence, you know, you're going to see tempo this week. You're going to see that old Baylor stuff with Art Bryles' kid, Kendall Bryles, dialing it up for that Arkansas offense. Jeff Levy had those Baylor-Bryles ties, and that proved to be problematic where Ole Miss was concerned a month and a half ago or so. So another test for this Alabama defense, starting with tempo. And then if it is Jefferson, more of a run threat than Felipe Franks, Traylon Smith coming off a huge game, 172 yards on the ground last week. Some options on the outside, playmakers at wide receiver for this Arkansas team. This isn't one you need to sort of just sleepwalk into. If you're this Alabama defense, from a psyche perspective with Florida on deck, need to try to keep it rolling as much as possible. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now, where we have Jimmy on hold checking in. I believe, uh, Jimmy, how you doing? Hey, how you doing today, Travis? I'm great, sir. Hey, uh, I just want to talk about Ray. You know, I, I lived down in, in uh, Tampa for a while and uh, before I moved back here and uh, Ray, Ray was the coach, you know, of the Bucks, and I, I just sure. wish he would have got more success down there. Uh, but you know, it's, it's real interesting because if it wasn't for Ray, you know, it, it really wouldn't have set up the Bucks in the nineties to get better. Uh, you know, with Hardy Nickerson and a bunch of those guys and, and uh, he kind of laid the groundwork, he, you know, even though he didn't do too well record wise, he, he really kind of set some of the groundwork. Uh, for 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 that Buccaneers team in the '90s with that big defense that they that they ended up building from, but uh, it really sad day for us here in Alabama uh, with the Perkins family and uh, prayers go out to them, obviously. But but man, I, I I grew up you know a little bit watching Ray Perkins and and man, it's uh it's it's definitely a tough one, and and I wish he just would have had a little more success in the NFL. You know what's interesting, Jimmy? We talk so much about coaching trees, and you think about Ray, and he played for Bear Bryant, so you think more about, well, 
he came from the Bryant tree. Ray really had his own tree, right? I mean, Ray Perkins was sort of the godfather that led to Bill Parcells, which yep. led to Bill Belichick, which led to Nick Saban. So it just shows you what a small world coaching really is. But we talk so much about the Belichick tree, and now we talk about the Saban tree. Ray Perkins had a pretty damn nice tree of his own, right? Yeah, he did, and, and, and that's a good point. I, I didn't even really think about his tree uh, too much. And, and you know, uh, the other thing I, I wanted to touch on real quick, I, I heard you talking about Alabama's you know, defense versus Arkansas, and I think people want to just write this game off, you know, like this is just some throwaway game. And, and I love what Nick Saban had to say. You know, he said, we, we play every team, and they're better than what, what the country thinks. And I'm going to tell you this, Travis, I think that head coach down there in Arkansas uh, could easily win SEC Coach of the Year. I mean, he's been fantastic taking this Arkansas program, had one win or two wins last year, turning them into to a decent team. Uh, I'm excited to see where, where Arkansas is going to go. I, I'm, I'm a Bama fan, but, boy, Arkansas has been, been doing work, man. They have, and I'll I'll be the first to tell you, I was among the many that looked at that hire as wow when Sam Pittman was named the head coach. But here's what Sam Pittman did, sort of like Orgeron at LSU. He went out and got him some coordinators, first and foremost. I mean, Kendall Bryles has done an outstanding job with Felipe Franks. It helps that Franks certainly is experienced in the ways of the Southeastern Conference. That hasn't hurt. But then to go get Barry Odom on the other side on defense – you know, and then Pittman, kind of like O, he has fostered this spirit, right, and this buy-in, and he's got guys playing above and beyond their talent level, and that's what it's going to take in Arkansas because the truth is I think Pittman will recruit as well as you possibly can at Arkansas, but even if you do that, you are at least a tier below LSU below Alabama, below Texas A&M. So all the credit in the world to Sam Pittman, I didn't I didn't see three SEC wins. <laughs> Even in a 10-game SEC schedule, I wouldn't have thought. I thought if, if Arkansas wins a game this year, they ought to be excited. And they've tripled that. And again, it should be four. should be at least four wins for this team. Yeah, they, they got robbed down there against Auburn, but hey, that, that's just the Auburn way, right? You know, get your <laughs> officials on your team and, and go from there. One thing I want to – I know you got to go and you got to interview, but tra- I wanted to ask you, I'm not trying to look ahead, at, you know, obviously like Saban said, but obviously the big matchup is going to be in the SEC title game against Florida. Uh, it, it, I, I want to sit here and tell you, Travis, that I'm I'm not nervous about this game as a Bama fan, but at the same time, well, they got that boy Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask playing at, playing at a high level, and uh, I, I'm look. I know we got some great defense, and I love Malachi Moore, and I know Will Anderson kind of starting to come into it a little bit here. But uh, you think that this defense is going to be able to contain Kyle Pitts? Because man, I watched that kid a few weeks ago play, had three defenders around him, still able to get a touchdown. I mean, this this he's by far no, he's I a think, the best tight end in the country. He's a problem, and then what they're able to do by influencing defenses because of him 
they get you loaded up on Kyle Pitts, and then they run wheel routes to their backs yep. on the outside against your inside linebackers. Or they get it to Kadarius Toney, who is Waddle-like with his ability yep. after the catch, after the touch. So, no, you absolutely should be worried, Jimmy. Absolutely. But uh, uh, we'll get into more of that next week. But we appreciate the phone call, my man. Good stuff. Hey, love the show, Travis. You take it easy, brother. Roll tight. Thanks, Jimmy. Take care. Appreciate the phone call. We're going to head to our break. When we come back, Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com will join us right here on Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right after this. If you are a beautiful day today with a sunny sky, the high 63. Clear tonight, not as cold as recent nights, the low at 42. And the warming trend continues tomorrow and Friday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 67, Friday's high at 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! Early one morning while making the rounds, I took a shot of cocaine and I shot my woman down. I went right home and I went to bed. I stuck at loving 44 beneath my head. Got up next morning and I grabbed that gun. Took a shot of cocaine and away I run. Made a good run, but I run too slow. They overtook me down in Juarez, Mexico. A little they sound the hot of music for you on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. How about the man in black, Dias, Arkansas, birthplace of the one, the only, the late, great Johnny Cash. We got you covered with Arkansas tunes on a hump day edition of Southern Fried Sports. And as we head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line, at 205-342-9904. I know uh, Cecil Hurt has some favorites from the state of Arkansas, no doubt about it. Well, you got the little triangle there, Travis. That you wouldn't... <laughs> Dyer, which is Johnny Cash's hometown, birthplace, probably by, by highway, it's probably 30 minutes from Morro Bottom. If you actually cut across the bottom, it would probably be about 15 minutes from where Coach Bryant was born. Uh, you go up the road to, to Marvel, where Levon Helm was born, um, just right there in that little area. But yeah, um, it's it's you know Ronnie Hawkins from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. There's been some uh, Tom DeGray, but yeah, just that 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 Delta area, that Delta culture that, that produced so much music, whether people associate it with. Mississippi, most of all, but um, West Helena, Arkansas, down you know into into those bottomlands, uh, just a great, great um, cradle of of Americana and music, and won't be another one like uh, like Johnny Cash. No, you make that road trip to Missouri, even right? You're on 55 there, and you can get right off the interstate. Go to Johnny Cash's hometown. I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just not far right there. Cross the bridge. You can cross the bridge, and and, uh, you can cross the river. There's several bridges across. There's one in Greenville. Um, into into 
Lake City and that part of Arkansas. Um, mm-hmm. And you can scoot right up to Fort Ice and Pine Bluff and the home of, of Coach Bryant and Don Hudson, to name two. So, wow. A cradle of, of great names. But yeah, Pretty fertile. Prison, Fulton, Pretty fertile. The Delta. Is definitely a live album that holds up 50 years later. <laughs> you know that song right there that's uh that's punk rock to me you know oh sure uh, yeah <laughs> people didn't realize it back then but they were listening to the sex pistols before they ever happened you know that's a punk rock song hey got, um cecil got a man in reno just to watch him die how much <laughs> right. more punk can you get than that oh jeez. uh let's shift state cecil uh pedal mississippi hometown of Ray Perkins, who we have learned this morning has passed away at the age of 79. I talked about in the previous segment, I got to think that Ray's arrival as the successor to Paul Bear Bryant as head coach at the University of Alabama, I'm thinking that that must have coincided pretty much with with you uh, getting involved on the Alabama beat, or or was that a little bit after? I was the beat writer. I wasn't the sports editor, obviously, at that time. Wasn't the column mm-hmm. Billy Mitchell was, um, but I was I was the sports writer, and with that Coach Bryant's announcement was was that Ray's first press conference. Dealt with Ray for four years. Ray was Ray was hard nosed. Now, I, you know, we we became we became close uh, over time, but you know, he Ray Ray took a lot. He really did. You know, Ray, following Coach Bryant, it's almost impossible unless you live here to understand the magnitude of that because every single thing that Ray did, from going away from the wishbone to changing potato chip sponsors on the television show to to anything that Ray did, taking the tower. The tower, right? Yeah, was was. Caused outrage, caused people to say constantly, well, Coach Bryant wouldn't have done it that way. Well, what Coach Bryant, I'm going to be honest, what Coach Bryant would have done um, had he lived would have been let Ray run the program the way Ray wanted to run the program because that's what a genius Coach Bryant was, and he knew that's how it had to be done. That's the way he did it when he came in. Uh, but but so, so Ray had to deal with all of that. So you, you can understand why he was a little uh, a little touchy at times. He loved Alabama. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that, that did help make Ray popular loved Alabama and didn't like Auburn all that much. <laughs> um, so so and, and of course had great games at the eighty four and the eighty five games against Auburn. He went two and two against Bo Jackson. Heisman Trophy, Auburn team that die, um, and I think if, if he made the move to Tampa, which made he and his family financially secure for the rest of their lives. Um, so, it, in a in a sense, it's hard to second guess that. But I think the way that Ray was recruiting, and I think that. I always thought 1986 was a great team that showed the importance of scheduling, non-conference scheduling. They overscheduled. They had Ohio State, 
Notre Dame, which was a huge emotional game for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, took on, just as it added on, Ohio State in the kickoff classic. Just, yeah, we'll play them. And ended up playing a number one Penn State team. Went on to win the national championship, probably Joe Paterno's best team. Um, whereas if he had taken, you know, he had taken the, the and I, I don't mean to, to downgrade anybody's program, but if he had taken the route of playing uh, Southern Miss and, and Cincinnati and so forth that year, uh, could very well have been in competition for the national championship. Uh, tremendous recruiter, um, innovative offensive mind. Had to rebuild. Some people don't. People don't give him credit for how, how quickly they, you know, from from where it was in 1983 to where it was in 1986. Ray built it and he built it fast. Now where it would have gone from there, a little bit depends on your quarterback, so forth. But. Um, I think that Ray, financially, I don't think he ever regretted the decision to go to Tampa. Um, I think over time, uh, he he wondered what he could have accomplished had he stayed in Alabama. In some ways, when you look at Ray Perkins and the path he took from the New York Giants down to the college level and then back to the NFL after four years – that's kind of the narrative that we heard with Nick Saban, right? In his first three or four years, that was sort of the the pathway that a lot of people expected Nick Saban to take. Except Nick Saban, unlike Ray Perkins, hung around. Yeah, uh, people expected that, and, and yeah, I'm I'm not Nick, one of the two or three greatest, maybe the greatest college coach of all time. And, and I'm not saying that Ray was was that, um, it, but he, he certainly was, could have been successful. Was was successful at Alabama and could have been more successful. And it, it's funny to look back at at the coaching tree, the parts you know, the, the guys who were Ray's assistants, main assistants. I mean, he had several yeah. clearly with the Giants, but. Uh, Parcells was on that staff, and Belichick was on that staff. Mm-hmm. And so, if you if you trace from Belichick to if you trace from Perkins to Belichick to Saban, that's a pretty direct line. Yeah, that's so, pretty tough to beat to come from under Paul Bear Bryant and then establish a tree of your own like that. We talked about that in the opening segment, from Parcells to Belichick to Saban. Uh, you can put that out there against anybody, can't you? And I'm talking about for all time in the sport. Absolutely. And, of course, Ray had played for uh, Coach Bryant and for Don Shula. Don Shula, yeah. His professional career was with Don Shula. Um, He'd gone on to be an assistant with um, Coriel and Ron Earhart and and developed offensive concepts that are still in use today. When you saw Tom Brady winning all those Super Bowls, under Belichick, a lot of that offense was Earhart Perkins' offense, mm-hmm. and it existed you know, just in terms of how to number plays, how to call plays, how to group personnel, 
people rarely realize that about Ray because it's some high level stuff. Uh, but but he was in on all that. He he understood all of that kind of, kind of thinking. So um, you, a, a different a different character personally, um, but yeah, I, I'll always wonder if happened. Now they had the number one pick and picked Bo Jackson and couldn't find him. Couldn't get him signed. Yeah, and just imagine losing a number one pick like that, uh, not being able to. Make the deal in, in these days that, that your team's got. You know, you're the you're the Jets this year, and you just lose the pick. You know, it's not that you trade it or that you. you know, it's not a Peyton Manning situation where he doesn't want to play somewhere and he goes somewhere else. You, you just you just lose the pick. You know, he, you know, he picked Keith McCants with a high, very high pick, and Keith's personal issues kept him from developing into a great NFL player. So a lot of difficult things happened in Tampa and and uh, just didn't get off the ground. But Ray always, after that, he, he, during that and after that, he always loved Alabama, was always proud of Alabama, didn't try, you know, there's a lot to be said for Ray not trying to be Bear Bryant. You know, to, to, to come in and take it is one thing. Um. But Ray didn't. Ray didn't base his decisions on. Well, Coach Bryant would do this. He based his decisions on. I'm Ray Perkins, and this is what I'm going to do. And and there's something to be said for that. Just the the courage to do it. With what Ray did and and how that transition went about, it, can any of that, as long ago as it happened, and as much as the times have changed and the game has changed. Can any of that be referenced to when the time comes to replace Nick Saban, in your opinion, Cecil, or again, are we, we too far removed from all that? Could be. Could be. Times are different. Um, but uh, I, I think it'll take somebody with a strong personality. Yeah. Ray certainly has. I, I, I do believe that. And somebody who's, who's tough enough to stand up to the – Nick wouldn't have done it this way. I mean, you know, they, they, that's inevitable. That's going to come. Um, the expectation of whoever takes the Alabama job, whether it was in late 1982 or whenever it may be in the next transition, the expectation is uh, you should be the dominant program in the country because it's been the dominant program in the country. I, I'll probably never have it entirely figured out um, how it has happened that, that the the two great coaches in college football both ended up coaching in, in a place with tremendous traditions, but just the, the circumstances that have allowed Alabama to have Paul Bryant and Nick Saban. And I guess it goes back all the way to the 1920s. Uh, but what does come with that um, are expectations. And people talk about people talk about the expectations at LSU, or the expectations at Georgia, or the expectations at Tennessee. And they certainly do want to succeed. I'm not saying that, but 
um, they are in no way, shape, or form, really, if you get down to it, what the expectations are here in Tuscaloosa. Cecil, I know this comes as a shock to you this morning, shifting gears a little bit here. The Big Ten is going to change the six-game minimum rule and clear the way for the Buckeyes of Ohio State to play in the Big Ten championship game. I know, are you sitting down, Cecil? I know that knocked you off your feet there hearing that. Travis, I'm, on, I'm, I'm really trying to take the high road on this one. <laughs> and tell myself. Come on, come on down to the low road with us, Cecil. That, the, the, the water's fine down here. On any of these that you see, on any of these, <laughs> are, on any report you see on ESPN, that if you took, when they say 6 and 0 Ohio State, pull that out and said 6 and 0 Alabama is going to get special dispensation to play in the SEC championship game, that it, the reaction would be the same. No. No, I, I don't think so. I don't for, one think, thing, I don't, for one thing, I, the other members of the conference, conference would raise such hell. Uh, that it wouldn't be the same. Um, and, but I'm trying to, t- to, to say, um, look, Ohio State's a really good team. If you're just talking about who's on their roster and, and the eye test, mm-hmm. they probably are a top four team. Um, so, Got to have a resume, though, don't you? What about a resume? Well, I agree with that, and I, um, again, I, I just bite my lip and 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 look at just changing the rules as you go along. Change them, oh. change them, change them. Mm-hmm. Um. Solely to get a team in the playoffs, and I guess that's all that matters. I guess that's all that matters. You, you, you do the deal to, to get a team in, or try and get two teams in, like the ACC, um, and the SEC would do some things too. They, 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 uh, but but the SEC is not rewriting its rules as we go along. Um, if if they. <laughs> If they were, I probably wouldn't be hauling up to say at Malarkey's office. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but again, I'm trying to stay out of it. I'm trying to say that the, the national media is not in, you know, national media is a lot of people with different opinions and not everybody's opinion would be the same. There, there does seem to be a lot of tolerance for Ohio State and what's going on, but tolerance is a good thing, right? So what are your what are your primary concerns about that trip to Fayetteville this weekend if you're Alabama? Oh, um, well, it looks like the weather's going to turn. Ooh, yeah, it does. You know, it's 72 degrees there on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> but far more typical of Fayetteville in December, it's going to be 40 with a chance of Sleety, rainy, 
crap on Saturday yeah. morning. So, so first of all, my first concern, nobody wants to say this, is having to put a bunch of kids on an airplane, put them in a hot box hotel somewhere, freezing cold, um, and one person catches it, you've got contact tracing that keeps you out of the SEC championship yet. That would be my first concern. A, is that you're playing it. B, is that you're sending them to Fayetteville, Arkansas to play it, which that's the schedule. I get it. But um, if you're asking about concern, that's the concern. Um, Will it, you know, every football game, somebody could get hurt. That's the situation, you know, and and you can't worry about that more in this game than in other games. You'd have less recovery time, obviously. If it's just a ankle sprain or something, you'd hate to lose somebody for the Florida game on those conditions. But the same thing could happen to Florida. They're playing that too. So, um, could it be? Is it going to help? This is a minor consideration. It's not about a guy winning the Heisman Trophy, but you know, if the conditions aren't great, if you can win by lining up, running the football, how many balls? You know, is Matt going to throw for 400 yards? Is Devontae going to have 175 yards receiving? Or do you do, do you just get enough of a lead to to pack the thing in and get home? You know. It, that's a consideration. It's not going to help anybody's candidacy from the yeah. statistical standpoint, which it shouldn't be about statistics, but we're talking about the Heisman electorate here. So, um, somebody will, will, I promise you, will fight that. Won't cost and didn't cost Mark Ingram the Heisman trophy. So you know, I'm not saying that, but we'll have to see what happens. So all of those things are concerns, which is fine. And, um, again, you, you, it's on the schedule, so you play the game and you collect the TV check. But beyond those things, you know, what, what's, if I told you right now, well, Alabama beat Arkansas 35-14. to How does that help Alabama in any particular way other than winning football? Yeah. You talk about some of these uh, individual achievements and man, two years ago watching Tua and especially the connection with Jerry Judy. I couldn't have imagined two years later thinking that I would be putting ahead of that duo what Mac Jones and Devontae Smith have done together this season, Cecil. I, I, I just didn't see that coming. Um but but I think that's where we're at. I don't know what you think about that, but Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, 2020, surpassing what we even saw from Tua and Judy two, just two years ago. It's amazing. And, and the one thing I want to say about Devontae, and I've said this before, but people say, well, if Waddle was still healthy, maybe this. No, the point is that, unfortunately, Jalen Waddle did get hurt. Yeah. And when that happened, Devontae 
hook it up another level. And everybody knew it was coming. And everybody knew it was coming, and he's still taking it up another level. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you got some hoops coming up Saturday night with Alabama. Men's hoops against Clemson, we hope, Clemson in Atlanta. Uh, you going to be watching Clemson, style. Maryland tonight? Yeah, I'm going to watch some of that. Clemson, very different style of play. So, um, they'll try and slow it down. They'll grind it out. Uh, but, they, but they're a good team, and that'll be a big test for Alabama, who's had a long a long stretch, not because of coronavirus, but a long stretch of off time because finals and um, holiday and so forth. So played well in their last game against Providence. Would like to see that carry over. Um, but Clemson will not make it easy over there in Atlanta. Should be interesting. Well, Cecil, as always, we appreciate the time, my friend. Always great stuff with you. Always great stuff there. With the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Be safe, Cecil. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Travis. There he goes. The one, the only Cecil Hurt on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Back with more of the show on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A beautiful day today with a sunny sky behind 63. Clear tonight, not as cold as recent nights, the low at 42. And the warming trend continues tomorrow and Friday. Lots of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow is 67, Friday's high at 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Scratch, Arkansas, Mr. Levon Helm. Drummer, songwriter, vocalist for the band. Also an actor of some distinction. Played the father of Loretta Lynn. And coal miner's daughter. Yeah, we're all about Levon here on the program. Appreciate Cecil Hurt joining us on the show. Always good to hear from Cecil. Always great perspective, and we knew where the passing of Ray Perkins was concerned. He was absolutely on time today for his Wednesday appearance. Again, appreciate Cecil. Uh, We got a big weekend of college football coming up, and the free fall at LSU seems to uh, not be coming to an end anytime soon. Uh, You've got Eric Gilbert, the true freshman tight end, former five-star prospect, as you recall, if you're an Alabama fan, Looked like Alabama was in really good shape to land this guy in the 2020 cycle. It did not happen. Eric Gilbert surprised some folks by committing and signing with LSU. Well, Eric Gilbert, according to 
according to LSU head coach Ed Ogeron, has decided to opt out for the remainder of the season. So you look at this LSU team still headed to Florida this weekend. That's the expectation anyway. Heading to Florida as already a 23-and-a-half point underdog on a weekend in which it's heavy on home dogs in the SEC. we got to wake Rusty up. Rusty's got to get his picks out there here in the next day or so. Rusty coming off that two-and-two week last week. 500 for Rusty on his picks. And he's now, I believe Rusty is 26-21-1. I believe that is Rusty's home dogs mark on the season. Uh, He had TCU plus the two-and-a-half against Oklahoma State. He had Tennessee with a sneaky cover against the Gators. Tennessee was getting 17 and a half uh, with Florida in town last Saturday, and the Vols covered. Uh, he did have Sparty and Alban as home dogs. Those didn't work out so well for Rusty. Uh, and then we're going to get with Pops later in the week on his picks. Pops with another 3-0 and week, man. That's like 9-0 and his last three weeks. He's going to be tough to deal with. He's 17-10 and now on the season with his picks. Uh, but it is going to be a big, big home underdog weekend. You got uh, Missouri getting 13 at home against Georgia. Alabama laying 31 at Arkansas. Tennessee's laying 15 at Vanderbilt. And Alban laying 6.5 on the road in Starkville. So we'll get more into those as we move throughout the rest of the week. We'll get into some more matchups with Alabama and Arkansas tomorrow as well. I'm officially worried about that Alabama defense this week. I'm just saying. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. The Lunch Whistle on this Wednesday brought to you by Southern Ale House. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Let SAH handle your holiday catering. You can do that right now by giving them a call. 205-310-3625. They can do prime rib for you by the pound. They can do whole turkey breast, whole hams. And then they've got the side dishes, cornbread dressing, sweet potato casserole, squash casserole, hash brown casserole, green bean casserole, pimento mac and cheese desserts as well. Southern Ale House for your holiday catering, 205-310-3625. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing it. Thanks to Cecil Hurt for joining us as well. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday, have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. 